What's up, guys? Episode 33 and week eight of the NFL season is here. That's basically halfway. Here we are already, October 28th. My God. We get to the good and the bad of last week. Of course, it was Kyler Murray, the good, really bad from Cam Newton and other players as well. Injuries, there were some big ones there, including Odell Beckham Jr. out for the season with a torn ACL. And of course, rapid fire to end the show. Hit us up on social at Teddy Talk. And don't forget that five-star review on Apple Podcasts for us. Let's roll. This is Darren Waller, and you're listening to the Tutty Talk Podcast. Streaming from beautiful Portland, Oregon, for all things fantasy football. This is the Tutty Talk Podcast. Barkley with a burst. Barkley down the sideline. Saquon Barkley. Jackson, Jackson himself. Look at him turn back and forth. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into nightmares. A lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. You like that? You like that? Here are your hosts, Bryce Wells. I'm going to I'm gonna say it. I'm going to put you on blast. Kevin Nelson. It's a damn shame because Pete Carroll is wasting Russell Wilson, and there's nothing we can do about it. And Chase Daskalos. No! Lamar Jackson is going to be a top-five quarterback. What's up? As I said in the intro, week eight of the NFL season is here for Tutty Talk episode 33. Kevin, Bryson, Chase on this last show in the month of October. Spooky season is alive and well. And so is the NFL, despite record COVID cases. But here we are. We're all still breathing, kicking, doing well. I'm back from vacation, feeling energized. A little, little sunburnt, maybe on the nose, but that's about it. Bryce, what's up in Portland? Uh, you know, it's going. Uh, I'm a little bummed uh, this year, obviously, with everything still going on. Still, still going on. Uh, we don't get to celebrate Halloween in its truest form and... God damn it, every year we have such a great time on Halloween. Um, we always come out of that night with a good story. And this year, that's probably not going to happen, but uh, we'll make the best out of it and, uh, you know, we'll do what we can. So we got football coming up, and this week looks a lot better than the last few weeks. So I'm pretty excited about that. Chase, what's up, my brother? What's up? What's up? Last sport remaining for the year, football. Baseball wrapped up last night. Watched the Dodgers wrap that one up. Obviously, NBA is over, so all all attention to the NFL. And yeah, halfway through week eight, kind of crazy. Feels like feels like week one was a couple weeks ago. No kidding. Yeah, the season's flown by. This whole year's flown by. The election next week too. I mean, there's so many other yeah. things have gone on this year that, unlike any other. Of course, we all know that, but. Let's just dive right in and get to the good and the bad. The good was against my Seahawks. Kyler Murray, 34 of 48 for 360 yards, three touchdowns, just one pick, 14 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown. He was not sacked in the game by Seattle. He outduels Russell Wilson in the desert and leads the Cardinals to an overtime win. What a game. I mean, Sunday night, it was a game of the week. One of the best games in the past couple of years, I would say. A missed field goal at the end, gave Russell Wilson the ball back. He turns it over. You thought DK Metcalf had a touchdown in there, called back because of a holding penalty and just a wild, wild game in Seattle fashion. Every time they play in primetime, they seem to have a game like this. Um, but this is more about Kyler Murray. 
and how great he looked pretty, pretty consistently, especially running the ball. Nobody can tackle this guy. The rushing upside is, of course, there, but really it's the passing and, and what this offense has turned into through halfway through the season. 48 tosses in this game, and I know that they were playing down from a bulk of the game, most of the game, down by two scores, really. So they were hucking it, and Kyler Murray looks really, really good. You know, there's high optimism for him this season that he would be a top five guy. I think that's set in stone. I think the question's really, is he more of a top three guy long term? You put him up there, Lamar, Mahomes. Where do you guys kind of rank him and and your quarterback rankings with between those three? Uh, if we're talking dynasty, I think you know I think Mahomes is going to be at the top for a long, long time. I, I even even though he isn't much of a runner like Kyler and Lamar are, um, I I just think that no matter what, Mahomes is the most talented thrower in the league right now, and I don't really think that that is that disputable um but Kyler Kyler Murray's looked great and I look at you know his his, the schedule and and who he's played he hasn't really been challenged right we see probably San Francisco in week one before all the injuries but then he gets Washington and Detroit Carolina the Jets Dallas Seattle so all this opportunity to dominate and he's doing that so he's doing his part And, and that's really all that you can ask for from Kyler Murray and I'm not I'm not going to um, shit on him for doing his part against bad bad defenses. Um, upcoming upcoming schedule, you got Dolphins, the Bills, the Hawks again, the Pats, the Rams. So it gets a little bit tougher. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. But I think that when you look at him as an individual player, he's the he's first and second in every advanced rushing metric right now. And when you take a look at what Lamar Lamar did last year, and you compare it to Kyler, what he's doing this year, I mean. Yeah, Kyler's going to finish in the top three. I think that that's pretty easy to project right now. And a- another difference from last season to this season, you know, the they had trouble in the red zone. Well, he's fifth in the red zone completion percentage. He's currently ninth in passing touchdowns. The guy is a stud, and this is your this is like Lamar Jackson of last year. Um, he was getting Kyler was getting drafted a little bit earlier. Um, than Lamar was when he, but right before he broke out. So I think Kyler definitely deserves to be in the top five conversation. But this year, seasonal, um, he's a top three option at quarterback for sure. He's my QB one rest of season, um, just from based on what we've seen so far and sneak peek, starting to write an article for Breakout Finder. My new dynasty quarterback one is Kyler Murray. I think what we've seen on the ground has been Lamar Jackson light-ish. Through seven weeks so far this year, Kyler has gone 65 carries for 437 yards and seven touchdowns. We called for this touchdown positive regression during the offseason where multiple times I talked about how Kyler Murray was the QB6 last year. I believe, and the red zone efficiency was wickedly inefficient. We expected that to bounce back. Zane Gonzalez, the kicker, led the NFL in kicks from, I think, 20 to 35 yards or something like that. It's in my article about Christian Kirk, actually, um, on the Breakout Finder website. So seven rushing touchdowns is a lot, yes, but we expected for that number to kind of bounce back to 
normalcy. Um, so again, I said 65 carries, 437 yards, seven touchdowns through the first seven weeks. Last year, when Lamar Jackson kind of vaulted himself into the quarterback one, quarterback two dynasty talks, he went 83 carries. Um, so 18 more carries for 576 yards, so about 140 more yards, three touchdowns. Their yards per carry, Kyler 6.72, Lamar Jackson 6.94. So again, I say Lamar Jackson light because he's not really carrying it as much as we saw Lamar do in the first seven weeks. But then when you factor in that Kyler Murray makes throws that Lamar Jackson can't even dream about, he's a way better thrower than Lamar Jackson is. Uh, Kyler's number seven in accuracy rating so far this year, and I don't think that's a number that we'll ever see Lamar Jackson touch, although, yes, I do love Lamar Jackson. Uh, Kyler, number seven in pass attempts this year and number one in carries. So insane volume. He's averaging 28.9 fantasy points per game. Lamar Jackson broke fantasy football last year. Patrick Mahomes broke it two years ago, and we're seeing Kyler Murray do it this year. Arizona's number five in in plays per game and number two in pace. So that volume should continue um, regardless of opponent. I know that their schedule's been pretty cake, but – Still, Cliff Kingsbury, they're five and two. He's not going anywhere. Um, and then just kind of looking at their looking at their age, Kyler's 23.2, Lamar's 23.8, and then Mahomes is 25.1. So not big of a difference, but you have that two-year advantage um on, on Kyler too. I think, yeah, it's aggressive me putting him ahead of Patrick Mahomes. What I like about Kyler more than Lamar. Um, aside from the passing is when they're rushing, what I've noticed, Lamar Jackson gets hit a lot and he's, I've seen some awkward tackles where I have him in dynasty and I'm grimacing at when he's getting lit up, laying down on the side. And it's like, Holy shit. Can you not take those? Can you not take those hits? Guess what? Kyler Murray does. Kyler Murray slides. And I don't think I've ever seen him like get blown up yet. And I think that's something that really flies under the radar with these quarter rushing quarterbacks, especially the size of Kyler Murray's. He knows how to avoid contact. And sure, there's going to be times where he's going to get fucking lit up or whatever. But his ability to just dart out of bounds, he'll take three less yards than Lamar Jackson lowering his shoulder at a safety, come thundering down on the sideline, blowing him up, hitting him low at his knees. It's like, oh my God, can you not? Can you not do that? So Kyler's so low to the ground, uh, he's basically sliding all the time anyway. Yeah. So I mean, you know. <laughs> and he's got the baseball background. He knows yeah, what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. People are so blown away by him sliding. It's like, dude, <laughs> that's second nature. Please right? continue. Yeah. I know. It's, Kyler slides so far. But yeah, he weighs a hundred pounds, dude. He's a little <laughs> feather. Um, flip side of that, we go from one of the youngest players in the league to the oldest, literally the oldest. Tom Brady's been lighting it up this year. 33 for 45, 369 yards. Four touchdowns, um, had the QB sneak for a touchdown as well there at the goal line early in the game. And I, Tom has been phenomenal for the Bucks. He gets Antonio Brown now, and I know Godwin's got the finger thing. Mike Evans just is his big threat in the red zone. Gronk's heating up back-to-back weeks with a touchdown for him. Scotty Miller emerges. I mean, there's a lot of parts to this offense that are really good. Throwing Leonard Fournette and, you know, surprise story of the year, I would say Ronald Jones has been good. Tom Brady's got a lot of weapons around him, something he didn't have in New England. We're seeing that kind of fall apart with Cam Newton and Belichick up there and Foxborough. I could not have predicted that Tom Brady would have been this good this year. I don't think anybody could have with what we saw at the end of his New England career last season. 
Yeah, people were talking about that last year in New England like it was his, you know, the 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 calling card for him to retire. And you look at what he's doing right now, he's been insane. You know, number one in deep ball attempts, something he was knocked for that last season in New England was just not being great down the field. Uh, fourth in completed air yards, six in passing yards, second in passing touchdowns, and wild here, number one in money throws. Number one in money throws. And his offense has a new injury every week. Uh, Scotty Miller has been breaking out uh, here and there. So that's been cool to see. But uh, Godwin has been banged up. Uh, Mike Evans has been off and on. Uh, his produ- his production has been just pathetic. And now they add A.B. Leonard Fournette's healthy. I think I think it's safe to say this is the best team in football right now. And Tom Brady's at the at the helm of it all. He's not slowing down this year. This offense is is top top five, and I think the defense is definitely top five. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this team's going to get beat in the NFC. It's uh, it's it's interesting to see how well they're playing, and I think I think Tom Brady is is the main reason for it all. If we're, if I'm being honest, I think that the culture that he brings to a football team and the attitude and the uh, mental state that he prepares all of his teammates. Uh, that's another guy. Gronk's been playing well. So it's like you have all these factors and they're all just working out. They're all working together. It just looks like a good team. I think that's what it is. I hate Tom Brady, but the man's the man's the best. And this this is just further prove, proving that point. So I'm going to attribute a lot of this to Bruce Arians. Uh, think about Jameis Winston last year. And I don't want to shit on Tom Brady because he's been stellar for fantasy uh, Bryce, you mentioned a lot of the, the metrics there, but what did Jameis Winston finish as the QB one last year? QB three, I, I believe, mainly because he just led the league in volume. And again, I'm not dogging on on Tom. I kind of am a little bit. I understand that he's fourth in attempts. A lot of, yeah, right. That that's my point. Yeah. Is if you told me looking at how dominant Tampa Bay's defense is. And, and how good they look. Normally, defense dominant defense will sort of translate to lower pass volume, right? You're playing from ahead. You're running the ball. No. Tom Brady, number four in attempts. Pretty pretty wild to me. And, again, it's kind of that Bruce Arians air raid offense. AFC, NFC-wise, uh, I think I, it's t- – mm, NFC's tough. I think they're the best team in the NFC. Over in the AFC, though, I actually like three teams more than them. I like Kansas City, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. Uh, but my Super Bowl favorite right now coming out of the NFC is it, it has to be Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. I mean, they beat Green Bay and then Seattle did what yeah. Seattle did the other night. Yeah. When you just, Seattle doesn't have a defense. When so. you just put Tom Brady in a Super Bowl uh, spotlight, it's it's just hard to not bet for him. You know, it, it's hard to bet against them. And yep. that's just kind of where I'm at. Okay, the guy that replaced him, we already mentioned him a little bit, but he's on the bad side of things and and is in trouble, I would say. Um, nine for 15, 98 yards, three picks, five carries for 19 yards for Cam Newton against the 49ers. He just, he looked bad. And after the game, he was saying, you know, if I do that a couple more times, the replacement's going to be permanent. And I, it's tough. There are not many weapons for Cam Newton in this offense that, light up the room and make you feel good. And I don't think that this offense is, is really built for Cam unless they're doing those quarterback keepers as the main part of the offense. You know, it's almost kind of like a wildcat <laughs> offense, but with a more accurate passer. Well, the accuracy has been completely gone. 
and they haven't been able to stay on the field. How many three and outs did this team have on Sunday? I don't know, but it's looking bad. We go through rapid fire later in the show, and I believe I have New England. There's one guy that I'm kind of considering starting from this team this week, and that's James White, because he always gives you the, the PPR upside as a running back, and you can squeeze him into a flex. But everybody else, I'm like, fuck this. I'm... It's weird avoiding New England, but I already am halfway through the season. When you take a look at Cam Newton's efficiency metrics, he's by far one of the worst quarterbacks in the league right now. Uh, I'm going to, it's probably not that bold to say this now, but I don't think Cam Newton will play another year of football after this year. I, I think when we take a look at his situation going into this season, you didn't have hardly anybody wanting to take on Cam Newton uh, as a starting quarterback in, in a league that's desperate for quarterbacks. And the Pats are the one team that gave him a, an opportunity and he hasn't done a whole lot with it. He He's getting paid the bare minimum to be on this roster. The rest of the league is, is clearly watching and, and sees what Cam Newton is doing in the league right now. And he's not doing a lot. And watching him try to throw the ball, it, it looks like he's like Philip Rivers trying to throw the ball. He's putting everything into these throws to put the ball downfield, and it just doesn't look right. He just doesn't look good anymore, and it's hard to watch. So I'm saying it now. I don't think Cam Newton's playing another year of football after this year. This is it for him. Maybe he gets a backup role, but he will no longer be a starting quarterback in the NFL after the 2020 season. It's wild to compare that Seattle game to what we saw right? last week. Like, oh my gosh, he was chucking that thing around. I know Seattle defense, blah, blah, blah. Julian Edelman diving catches and shit, but oh my God. I remember um, recently, I think it was sort of after that that Seattle game where Cam balled out and you got Mitch Trubisky looking like shit. Chicago kind of brings in Nick Foles. I remember a lot of Bears fans and people around the NFL being like, oh my God, look at Chicago should have brought in uh, – they traded for Nick Foles when you could have signed Cam Newton to a one-year deal, blah, blah, blah. Right now, who would you rather have, Nick Foles or Cam Newton? Yeah, Nick Foles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're both suck. Nothing, Jabari? I got nothing. I said everything I needed to say. This man's not playing football anymore. That's it. That's all I need. That's all I need to say. That's all you need all right. to say. All right. Here's your quarterback. Drew Locke, also bad. 24 of 40, (laughs) 254 yards, two picks, three carries, eight yards, one touchdown. Be honest, I was was in Arizona. I know that it was snowing in Colorado and Denver, and I did not watch a down from this game. So I'll let you guys dive in on how bad (laughs) Drew Locke looked against Kansas City Chiefs. Putting everything together, Drew Locke has been nothing short of terrible. One touchdown in four games along with four picks. Granted, he did play Tennessee, Pittsburgh, New England, KC. So pretty tough games to 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 compete in. But he's at the bottom of the league in efficiency. And we can blame injuries all we want. Can we can blame, you know, the fact that this is just gonna be another developmental year. But it it's not getting any easier for the Denver Broncos. Uh Justin Herbert is balling in Los Angeles and between Herbert and Mahomes and Derek Carr is an above average quarterback. Maybe they upgrade eventually. I don't I don't know, but 
you can't win in that division if you have the worst quarterback, and there's no way that I can see Drew Locke competing at that level of those other teams at this very moment, even with all the brand-new weapons that they have on this roster. It's it's really it's really hard to watch. Um, I don't want to say all of this is his fault because it's not. I think some of the coaching staff is is kind of questionable right now. I mean, Pat Shermer's running our offense, so that kind of uh, has a little bit of of an influence on Drew Locke. But I mean, it's not good. It's not good. I I, I don't feel good about my team in in this division. It's it's the next ten years does not feel. Uh, it's hard to be optimistic. Um, so uh, even if he takes a leap, his third year, that's that's great and all. But I just don't think it's going to be at the level of Justin Herbert or Mahomes or Derek Carr. It's just not there. He, he's too, he takes too many chances downfield in situations. They don't even need to do that. Um, and like I said, that's part of the coaching staff. To, they, they deserve a little bit of blame here, but the, the problem is, is they're not building this offense to, to, to help him out. They're not building around his skill set, and that never works out in this league. So as long as the as long as the team is running him this way, there's no way of there's just no chance of success. And that I've just had a an honest moment with myself as a Denver Bronco fan because I can't see this getting much better in the in the next few years. So yeah, and like he's been hurt, all of his weapons have yeah. been hurt. Uh, but Bryce, this isn't at you. You were probably one of the most humble or or kind of honest with yourself with with Drew Lock. There was people in our mentions and a lot of people kind of around fantasy football that wanted to take Drew Locke in the top 10 in like a seasonal draft. And oh my God, he's new, no way he's not top 15 with all this and Drew Locke and that. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? I've been arguing with Denver Bronco fans about why it's not going to go well with Drew Locke. Uh, the only people that still believe in him are Broncos fans. And and I, I admire those people, but your expectations are way too high um just if you haven't been watching the games then then you probably still have high expectations because if you're watching nothing there hasn't there have not been moments where i've been blown away by drew lock maybe a throw here and there but there's just no consistency and that's that's the real issue and it was because he because he played good against houston last year it was like oh you see what he did against houston last year when his yards per attempt in all the other games was like Five and six yards, and then it spiked up to like ten because the Houston defense was terrible. It's just mm. so those are the QBs. We got Kyler and Brady, the good Cam and and Lock, the bad. And quickly on Cam, each week you'll kind of pick up on Instagram that we're doing kind of a, a series of random polls and questions, and to kind of hear from you guys about what guys did earlier in the week. Well, Cam Newton was one of those this past week. And the poll was, is he done or is he fine? And and 58% of people that voted lean towards him being done. So on your side, Bryce, but it's still close to 50%. I think people need one more week or, or at least a couple more. We're halfway through the season, you know. New England could pull New England strings and, and turn things around. You know, certainly Brady's had some weird weeks there too. So I don't know. Uh, Cam Newton certainly doesn't look <laughs> anything like he did earlier this season. But with that, we get to the running backs. And Lord have mercy. Who would have fucking thunk it? James Robinson is RB2 on the season. 
heading into his bye week in week eight, 22 carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown on the ground with four catches, 18 yards, and another touchdown to give him two total in the game. I, I, I'm i speechless. James Robinson is running back two on the season and just had his best performance in the NFL at the Chargers with 31.7 fantasy points of PPR. Who the fuck is James Robinson and what is going on? He's insane, dude. Uh, and I know that we've kind of floated the idea of seeing what you could get in a trade if you're offering James Robinson. Don't do it anymore. It, it, just, just stop because he's going to give you exactly what you need um, for your roster. And the crazy part is, is like he's probably your third guy. You might have suffered an injury, so he's your, actually your second guy. But he's playing as an RB1 right now. So if he's playing at an RB1 level, has one of the easiest rushing schedules in the league, do not trade him. There's no point. Just hold on to him, ride the fucking wave into the championship, and James Robinson will go down as a league winner in 2020. And that will be, um, I think that will be the theme of, of a handful of winning teams out there. I think last week was interesting because um, I think kind of a late scratch was Chris Thompson. So James Robinson did absolutely everything. Uh, he's sort of flashed some receiving skills, but like the volume hasn't quite been there. He had a 17% target share last year. Uh, I think he went four for 18, I believe. Uh, but he caught a touchdown. And so that really kind of inflated that fantasy fantasy performance last week. Uh, so I'm not expecting that every single week, obviously. But yeah, I'm riding this guy into the sunset. Um, I think people dynasty-wise might be a little worried about what Jacksonville's going to do with him, just considering he was um, a UDFA. He was undrafted. He's got no draft capital invested in, into him. And we're going to talk about this a little later uh, with Gardner Minshew, but Jacksonville has four picks in the first two rounds. They have two firsts and two seconds. And we know kind of that optimal spot to take a running back is with one of those seconds. But I'm not convinced that they're going to do that. I think they need to upgrade at other positions. Um, Kind of what we're going to talk about too is they have the, the ammo there with those four picks to where if they want to trade up for a quarterback, which is I think they might do if their pick isn't good enough to get one of those top guys that I think they might use one of those seconds, use something else. I'm not entirely sure. Again, it's fucking week eight. We're talking about the NFL draft. It could turn into like a a Philip Lindsay situation where they do end up drafting a a running back and they, they split time and he's still better than the, than the guy they drafted. That situation is always possible. He looks great. Like I, and we've talked about this so much off air about, there's there's no point in them trying to draft a running back when they already have what they need they need at the position. You know, they can just run this fucking guy into the ground and they'll be fine. They'll be able to upgrade at all the other positions that matter way more than the running back spot. So it's it's actually kind of exciting for Jacksonville. I, I hope they do well. They're gonna grab a quarterback. They're probably gonna grab a fuck ton of defense, and their offensive line is actually a lot better than expected in this season. So you should be excited if you're a Jaguar fan. This is cool. What are you doing in, in Dynasty if you have James Robinson, though, and you want to sell him? Let's say your team's bad. James Robinson's popping off. There's huge need in every league for running backs right now with so many guys hurt. Mixon was hurt. Uh, Kenny and Drake just got hurt. Miles Sanders has been hurt. Zeke is going to be a bust this year. 
Christian McCaffrey, like the more feels like half of the premier backs are hurt. And there are probably some good teams that have all the other pieces lined up that desperately need a running back. What are you selling James Robinson for? If you are to do that in dynasty, I would. So what I would do is I'm going to use him to move up to an elite talent. What you're pairing him with could be another running back, even though I wouldn't really like doing two running backs uh, for one running back. Um, But I would, what I would like to do is pair James Robinson with a, wide receiver, um, kind of a mid-tier guy, maybe like a Chris Godwin, something like that, James Robinson, Chris Godwin, move up to a guy who's low. If you're rebuilding, see what you can get for – throw that out to Saquon Barkley. Christian McCaffrey maybe you have to add something else. But I would use him – if I were to trade him, I'm not doing like a one-for-one. I would use him to move up to one of those proven elite talents that we know. I think what you do is you ride him this year and – Maybe you. But then can, it's too late. Then they draft a running back. Are you talking about you talking about Jacksonville drafting a running back? Or are you talking? I'm just about, saying that's a possibility because of what sure, Chase mentioned yeah, about him yeah. being a, oh, an yeah. undrafted guy. Always an yeah. Always so, a possibility. so now he's running back two on the season. The ceiling's not getting any higher. No, he's not going much higher than this. Your so team's this, probably it, doing well with James Robinson, unless no. I'm saying this is a waiver wire pickup on a bad team in dynasty. Okay. Yeah, I would try like Chase has a good uh, a good strategy. What I'd actually try to do is I would try to take James Robinson and pair it up with a even lesser wide receiver than like a guy like Chris Godwin and try to get one of the the rookie running backs this year like DeAndre Swift or J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor, like one of those guys. Uh, maybe Clyde, maybe an owner's nervous about Lev Bell being there. Trying to use James Robinson's. Um, season this year so far being as phenomenal as as it is and pairing it with a maybe like a a younger receiver um to to try to get one of those younger running backs right now because when you look at all the top RBs in the league that have suffered injuries you know you might as well just you might as well just go even younger and and, and take one of these guys cuz there are some good running backs that are going to really really dominate the league next year and they're from this rookie class all right just wanted to kind of gauge your yeah. your opinions on that with James. Uh, Chase Edmonds is is not only having a great season as the number two in Arizona, it's going to get a lot better with Kenyon Drake out for the foreseeable future with a high ankle sprain he suffered against Seattle. But Chase, last week uh, in Arizona, five carries for 58 yards, seven carry, or seven receptions, pardon me, for 87 yards through the air. And this is a guy that you should have been stashing the whole time if you had Kenyon Drake. Uh, if you didn't have Kenyon Drake, you were trying to get him off of waivers, not necessarily because of an imminent injury. You never project that or think that that's going to happen. But Kenyon Drake just looked bad, and Chase Edmonds was outperforming him for a couple of weeks now. So he goes into the full-time role while Drake is on the pine. The Cardinals go into a bye week, which is kind of unfortunate. You you see Chase Edmonds get the opportunity, and you got to got to be patient, got to wait a little bit, but. It looks like it's going to be there for him in this offense now, and it could very well stick for the rest of the season uh, in a lot of ways if he if he keeps going the way he's going. Looks like a league winner to me. We just talked to James Robinson, but holy smokes, Chase Edmonds, he's so much, so much more burst and juice than what we've seen from Kenyon Drake this year. You can see it on every single time that Chase Edmonds touched the ball. Sort of like I feel like it's just been waiting. Like, when are they going to give – 
Edmonds the ball more. And unfortunately, it kind of has to come at the hands of injury. But Kev, you're right. If you have Kenyon Drake and you didn't have Chase Edmonds stashed within the last three or four weeks, I'm not really sure what you were doing because it was pretty evident that injury or not, hopefully it was going to start going this way. He's way more dynamic. Kenyon Drake had 10 targets so far this year for seven receptions. That's it. Chase Edmonds, 32 targets, which was number seven in the league for running backs, 26 receptions, mm. number six in the league with these he's playing like what 50% of the snaps. Um, and he's got the number one true yards per carry, which is really interesting to me because what true yards per carry does is it discounts runs over 10 yards. Um, so if there's a, the, these huge breakaway breakaway runs that, really inflate a guy's yards per carry it it uh reduces that that's what true yards per carry is so for a guy who's kind of built like a he's not a scat back yet i think he's 5'9 205 but he's sort of the speedster guy that you'd assume would be more of a guy ripping off longer runs and ground and pounding but when i saw that his true yards per carry was number one in the league that was nuts uh number number two in yards per touch so runs and, and, and receptions. And then number three in way run rate. So, the oh, man, I, this dude's teed up. He's looking like a league winner. And not a lot behind him either. You know, Benjamin is there, um, who kind of like as a pass catcher, looked really good at Arizona State, averaged like four-something four receptions per game. So a really good pass catcher. But Chase Edmonds is teed up to absolutely smash the last half of the season. I like it. Uh, we get to the bad running backs. It's Josh Jacobs and Mike Davis for Jacobs uh, against Tampa Bay. <laughs> that Tampa Bay defense. I don't even think this is like a, are we worried about Josh Jacobs? Whoa. I don't think that that's it at all. He gets stuffed. 10 carries for 17 yards, uh, three receptions for 14. And honestly, you like get out of a game against Tampa Bay's front and linebackers, and you're like, is everybody healthy? For fuck's sake. I mean, that, that front is really, really good. Uh, the Colts have been on fire to start the season defensively, but I would put Tampa Bay as as maybe this rest-of-season defense that that I want if you're in a league that has defenses. Uh, they score points. They stuff people. They put their offense in really great shape. And, yeah, Josh Jacobs had a bad week. <laughs> Whatever. And I'm never going to tell people to sit their starting, you know, star right. running back, right? But I think if if your guy is playing, you know, the Buccaneers, you probably, if you can, should swap him out for literally anybody because you take a look at what running backs have done against Tampa and they haven't done anything. So let's look ahead for Josh Jacobs. The great part about week eight is that Josh Jacobs gets the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, on average, give up 68 yards and one touchdown to opposing running backs. So it's a smash from this week. He should do just fine. He should bounce back. Look forward to that. Um, and on the other side, you know, Kareem Hunt playing against Las Vegas. I mean, it, it's good for him, too. So I'm not sweating Josh Jacobs. We already knew that we've gone over it, too, uh, that his schedule is pretty, uh, pretty tough. But um, he will get used more, just be patient. This is going to be a good week for him. Um, you have to play him. Don't sweat it. So I'm not so gung-ho here on Joshy Jacobs. I'm not saying bench him. Uh, you, you start him every single week. You started him against freaking Tampa Bay. You're going to start him. I think mm -hmm. he's got anything but a lock to smash. He has two single-digit fantasy point games this year, and he looks really touchdown dependent. Um, three TDs in week one. 
that resulted in the RB1 in, in week one. He had two touchdowns in week five, RB5. All other weeks, though, with no touchdowns, RB24, RB30, RB28, RB39. The matchup is middle of the road, according to Establish the Run's uh, defense first position rankings, uh, 18th most difficult, so uh, right in the middle there. So I'm not as, again, stardom, um, but not as smashy, I think, as most would think. Uh, the other one was Mike Davis, seven carries for 12 yards, five receptions for 24. And this really was like, I don't know. You knew Mike it was Davis, coming. Davis, we, we know and love maybe. I don't know. <laughs> He's the, Christian McCaffrey is, is almost ready. And if they weren't playing on Thursday, I think that he would play. We'll see what Matt Rule says. Um, Falcons and, and Panthers, by the time you're listening to this, is going to be tonight. But – I don't know. It's kind of the last gasp trade Mike Davis for what you could trade him for at this point and hope that CMC uh, is going to sit out for a bit longer, but I don't see much value in Mike Davis anymore at this point. Exactly. Which is why I said two weeks ago to trade him before we get to week eight when Christian McCaffrey might play. That's all right though. He might've helped you um, get a couple W's, which is ultimately all that matters. So, um, but you know, if I had Mike Davis, which I didn't actually own any of them this year, I would have tried to move him immediately because, you know, you can just you can you can get better than him and full well knowing that CMC was going to return at some point, but that's okay. Uh, yep, it's all over for him, and this may be the best performance in a single season we've ever seen from Mike Davis going forward. So I was one that was saying, hold on to Mike Davis, ride him out. You got him for free. Let's see what he can do, um, and don't drop him. Don't no, drop him. I know no. a lot of people are kind of like, oh, Christian McCaffrey's back, and there goes Mike Davis. Reaggravation rate is super high for this injury. Um, McCaffrey could come back super slow. Their team is okay, but like their team is Christian McCaffrey. If he were to reaggravate this, tweak it, look bad, come back super slow from it, do they yank it? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, not necessarily like call it for the season, but if there's, if he any, looks anything short of tremendous back to Mike Davis, we go. So yeah, I don't think he has a whole lot of value. I, I'm not really projecting that to happen. I think they've taken their time with McCaffrey. It's been a while, but don't drop him. Don't drop him yet. Uh, hold, wait, see what they do. It could be a way more split backfield than we think. Totally agree. The wide receivers, these two guys. Uh, one had the 30th best fantasy football performance of all time, and he fucking lost. Tyler Lockett, 15 catches, 200 yards on the dot, and three touchdowns. God, the first catch of the night, the one-hander over Patrick Peterson. The touchdown uh, to finish that drive was over Patrick Peterson. He had one that was wide open, and the one in the back left corner on fourth down, Russ is throwing dimes to him. He targeted him 20 times in this game. I think he went from wide receiver 15 on the season to wide receiver two with this one performance, depending on what type of league you had him in. He scored like 45 and a half points or over 50 points. Just a ridiculous on a day where Devonte Adams posted a similar line with one less touchdown, a few less receptions and a handful of less yards. Tyler Lockett says checkmate and posts this unbelievable Sunday night 
in which we didn't see a lick of DK. It was all T-Lock all night long. So I'm sure a ton of Sunday night comebacks were, were just absolutely insane. You're down by 30. You're down by 40. All right, I need Lockett to really go off. Ha ha. Like starts to drink aggressively. And then he turns out this shit. I, I was at a Seahawks bar and there was this one guy wearing a Tyler Lockett jersey who had him in fantasy. And he's running around the bar every time the guy got a catch. And I look at my phone and the guy's got 200 yards by the end of the night. And I'm, I'm sure the, the Lockett jersey wearer was pretty fucking fired up. <laughs> that happened regardless of the loss. And I the other day I had somebody ask me, you know, is Tyler Lockett one of the most underrated wide receivers in football? And I think I think the answer is yes. You know, we had a lot of good receivers this week pop off. You you got to see Keenan Allen do his thing. Another you know underrated wide receiver in the league. So Tyler Lockett, averaging seven and a half receptions and ninety yards a game, with a quarterback who is providing him with the second best target accuracy rating. I think Tyler Lockett is going to be good for a really long time as long as he's in Seattle. And when you have DK Metcalf on the other side, like there's just going to be weeks where this happens. Uh, maybe not the you know one of the greatest performances in NFL history, but um, you know there are going to be multiple touchdown weeks for Tyler Lockett or for DK, and that's just the way it's going to be. It, it, it's going to be. It, there's going to be moments in time where you're, you're going to be upset that DK or Tyler didn't get his in a game. But at the end of the day, for the most part, these guys are going to have enough volume to equally share the field and be dominant in fantasy football. So going forward in every single season after 2020, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf have to be guys you seek out in your drafts. <laughs> I don't think we need to argue about Tyler Lockett, you know, finishing inside the top 20. He's not going to do it. No, he's going to do it. He's going to do it every year as long as he's healthy. And uh, it was really, it was just really cool. It was an amazing game from Lockett. It, it was awesome to watch. DK had that rundown. Uh, that was his biggest contribution in that, in that game against Arizona. So that was cool. But um, Tyler Lockett, holy fuck. Uh, the other on our list is Deontay Johnson back from injury. Nine receptions, 80 yards, two touchdowns. And the question that I asked on, on social media was, who is the Steelers' number one wide receiver? And uh, I kind of got it written down here. I crunched the numbers on what people voted for and what people kind of wrote in. Uh, 46% still say Juju. 23% say Claypool. And 30% said Deontay Johnson. Nobody said James Washington, although he was uh, mentioned and, and a couple guys, they ranked them. And James Washington was two on one of the lists. So uh, still Juju in a lot of people's minds. And we can see Juju go somewhere else as his contract expires. But Deontay Johnson, uh, I gave him a ton of shit in the offseason, kind of jokingly, kind of not. Just I wasn't really buying into the hype. And it reached the, the rocket ship level at one point during the summer where he was going at, like as wide receiver 20 or something like that. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, you had it, a it problem with the ADP. Yeah, it was a lot. I think we all did. We it, it just got too damn high. Well, now he's kind of paying that forward and saying maybe it wasn't. Um, so I'll admit that I was wrong on Deontay Johnson. Still, I think this offense is a little crowded for any one player to really make that leap as the premier wide receiver in the offense. Juju's Bennett. We've seen Claypool have his weeks. 
fuck, James Washington last year had his weeks where he was pretty solid. And Deontay Johnson, we know what he can do too because of stuff like this. So in fantasy, I think he's easily a, a weekly flex. That's kind of it for me though. Like there's so much variance in the offense that I don't trust him as a wide receiver too in my mind just yet um, with so much that can happen and so much that's unpredictable in Pittsburgh. And I don't, you know, you're not, you're not wrong yet. Cause I think he's wide receiver 55 or somewhere in that range. Yeah. He's been uh, banged up. Yeah. His, his injuries haven't helped him, but when he's on the field, I mean, he's getting heavily targeted and, and that is why he, he truly is the number one in this offense. And maybe Claypool breaches that in a year or two, but right now it's Deontay Johnson when he's on the field. I had a, I picked him up in a league because somebody dropped him the other day. I immediately played him that this this last week ended up crushing in that league. I mean, if if you see somebody dropping Deontay Johnson in your leagues, you got to scoop him up as fast as you can because when he's like I said, when he's on the field, he Big Ben goes to him consistently and 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 that's just you're going to see that when he's playing. Um he had 15 targets last week. 15 targets. That's a lot. Um but in weeks one and two, he was ten and thirteen. So, and 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 following that up, if you want to talk about his week three and his week five, he had two and one. Well, he got hurt in those games, so he didn't actually get to finish it. So, anytime he's played a full game, he's getting he's getting double digit targets. So it's like at a certain point, uh, the volume trumps everything, and and he's a great fantasy player. I think that he's a wide receiver too when he's playing. So I, I think that. Uh, if you have him, congrats. Like, just hold on and, and keep playing him as long as he's healthy. In Dynasty, if you want Deontay Johnson on your team next year, you better get him right now because yeah. this is probably it. I think we all agree, all three of us agree, Juju Smith-Schuster is not going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler next year. And with Juju on the team, with Chase Claypool on the team, those target games from from Deontay Johnson are insane. 10, 13, and 15? Are you yeah. kidding me? It's insane. It's the Antonio Brown rule. If you want Deontay Johnson on your team, it, it, I'm not going to say it's too late now, but when when he was hurt and Claypool was popping off, that was the time. We're kind of at the back end of this now. You can still get him, uh, but kind of after this, it, it's, it's going to be too late. This guy is playing the Antonio Brown role. A uh, little bit worried about what would follow after Big Ben. Yeah. Who's been decent this year. And I don't think this is Big Ben's last year, unless I don't know what his contract is. But Pittsburgh looks really good. If they win the Super Bowl, Big Ben goes out on top. And then who's Pittsburgh's quarterback after winning the Super Bowl? And I don't think they, no, they don't even have their first round pick because they give it up to Miami from, uh, from Minka. Minka, yep. So I don't know what they would do. They might sign a veteran or whatever. Uh, but still. Dynasty wise, next year you want Deontay Johnson on your team, and rest of the season now. No kidding, I like it. Uh, to the wide receivers we go: DJ Chark and Robert Woods. DJ Chark one catch, twenty six yards on seven targets, and uh, we've seen Chark and Minshew play well together. We saw that pretty much all of last year till Chark got hurt while you were in the fantasy playoffs. Fuck me, I was in the playoffs with them, killed me. I still love you, DJ Chark. I just traded him recently, but um. Yeah, he's a buy low candidate for sure. Um, Bryce, you talked about Jacksonville, maybe taking a quarterback next year. Gardner Minshew isn't their guy for the future as 
much as they've kind of bought into that for a quick minute and how quickly things change in the NFL. Remember when they had Nick Foles? You know, I don't think this team really has their mind made up from from year to year. Shark doesn't have a game over 100 yards yet. Yeah. I think it's, and that's that's bizarre to me. Like, yeah. And when you look with, at Minshew's game log, it's it's not bad, but when you look at some other stuff, he's second in interceptable passes and fifth in danger plays. But it like the volume he's throwing a ton. Like there's not I don't re- actually really know what's going on with DJ Chark. Um, I'm hoping maybe Chase or you could could maybe explain that. But I know the coaching staffs talked about talked about uh, making some changes. The the backup's Jake Luton. That's not going to save DJ Chark this year. So if you have DJ Chark, you're just going to have to take the L on DJ uh, this season. I don't think it gets that that much better, especially if they try to shift to a new quarterback. You're you're actually hoping that Minshew stays the starter uh, in case you're so desperate that you need DJ Chark for a, a pop-off week here and there. I, there's just no, there's going to be no consistency in seasonal for him. Um, by, like you said, by low candidate for next season, because I guarantee you they will, they will take a quarterback with one of the million first round picks that they have. So, yeah, I wish I had an analytical approach to this, but I don't really, I'm not really sure. Frustrated. I just traded for DJ Chark actually from Kevin. Not really as a rest of season move. I figured I actually wanted Chark more than Juju rest of season, but it's kind of a buy low opportunity. Same for Kevin buying low on, on, on Juju. Uh, but again, it's it's not Chark. Minshew's numbers are okay. He's just not it. He's yeah. just not it. He's just, just not getting the job done. Talked about the draft picks with James Robinson. So officially the Jags have their first round pick. They have the Rams first round pick from that Jalen Ramsey trade. Then they have their second round pick and they have the Vikings second round pick, which was the Yannick Ngakwe trade, who's now in Baltimore. He's getting shipped all over the place. So they have four picks um, in, in the first two rounds and have every opportunity to draft a quarterback with their first round pick or move up. Uh, they kind of have ample opportunity to grab a quarterback. And I think we all agree that they're going to stay away from receiver considering they took LaVisca Chanel in the second yeah. uh, this year. Yeah. So, yeah, I look for a new quarterback, hopefully Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville next year. Other wide receiver, as mentioned, is Robert Woods. Three catches for 22 yards, four carries for 23 yards, and a fumble. Uh, weird game Monday night. It was like just a classic ESPN shitty game to watch where you just fucking hate your life on Monday night, and it used to be the best game. I was uh, with my folks down in Phoenix and we were talking about Monday Night Football and how boring the games have been. Sorry, this is a total tangent from Robert Woods for a sec. But it, it we kind of came up with it is mundane night football mm, now. It's like so that. boring to watch. It is so hard to watch. And I don't know if it's the slate of teams that they've got it going against each other or the broadcast or the network in general and how sloppy it seems in comparison to everything else you watch all day on Sunday. But it fucking sucks. Anyway, back to Robert Woods talking about fucking sucking the the Rams offense. It's so unpredictable. And yet Robert Woods is still, I think, wide receiver 20 or around there. Cooper Cup, like 22 in PPR leagues, 17 and 25. Okay, 17, 25. I think we're like a different scoring, but in that range. Okay, let's let's say that you were hoping for more. I think a lot of people had Woods and Cup around top 10, you know, and, and close together like. 11 and 12 or 11 and 13, at least inside the top 15. I think that was really fair to say. And what we've seen from the Rams offense is just pounding the ball. 
and not with Akers, which was the other guy that you thought it was going to be. It's Daryl Henderson, or it's just, it's kind of a cluster. I think eventually they're going to have to start throwing the ball against teams when they do get down. And this was just a game where they didn't, their defense was balling out. They played Chicago who shit the bet on Monday night football. And and that was kind of it for, for fantasy production in this game for, for anybody really offensively for the Rams. Yeah. Their defense is carrying them, right? Um, They're, they're running the shit out of the ball and they're running the ball pretty well. Uh, I think Daryl Henderson's done a great job. Uh, He's the guy that I thought was going to be the lead out of the backfield from the get go. Uh, even though I, I do like Cam Akers, I think that there's a there's an opportunity for Cam Akers next year to take that that role. But um, right now, you know, Daryl Henderson's is is the focal point of the offense. Cooper Cup and and Robert Woods um, are doing their jobs. It's just not translating to fantasy uh, whatsoever. And I think that you're going to see that for the rest of the season. At their price, I kind of during fantasy drafts preferred Robert Woods over Cooper cup. I'm now out on both. I think the Rams are super boring. I don't want either of them. They're number 28 in pass plays per game. So there's absolutely no volume there. Last Monday night, um, I won quite a bit of money on it because I took Robert Woods under four and a half receptions was plus money. And he went like three for 22 and especially Robert Woods taking the under on him because they get him the ball in other ways. They're on these jet sweeps to him. He got like three or four carries. So that was a smash. He goes three for 22 against Chicago's pass defense, who's top five in the league. Kyle Fuller's one of the better um, outside cornerbacks so far this year. So, yeah, they, they, they want to run the ball. They have the stout defense. I don't want either of them. The tight ends, uh, Gronk and Hawkinson. And Gronk, the last two weeks, has had a touchdown. In each of those weeks, he had a touchdown against the Raiders last week in Vegas, 5 for 62, and the score. He's a focal point of this offense in, in a lot of ways, especially when they get into the red zone like he always was in New England. Um, he took a shot, I think, at like the, the four or five-yard line on one of those catches. Bang, bang, play, popped right up. And I think injuries were a huge concern for Gronk, and if he'd be able to bounce back and, and stay healthy as he's been banked up the last three, four years of his career before retiring. So what was he going to be like when he came back? Yeah, it was a slow start, but I think the waiver wire claim of, oh, I've got guys going on by who should I pick up? And Gronk was available is really paying off for a lot of, a lot of guys um, here in the middle part of the season that will, will likely stick as this offense continues to add really good pieces. Antonio Brown at, like Gronk's kind of the one solid piece of this offense that you can count on every week. Now I kind of think it's, it's weird. And I think that you're going to continue to roll the dice on him with how often, you know, Tom Brady's throwing and how well he's throwing, even with a B coming back into the picture for uh, this team. Uh, he's just a red zone target. Right. And, and Tom Brady knows that best. I mean, these guys have a rapport unmatched in the league and, He's going to be reliable now that he's no longer a just a blocking tight end. Yeah, like we fucking believe that when you guys said that bullshit. Come on now. We knew that eventually Gronk gets into shape, learns the offense, and an offense that is completely different than what he was used to, and he only knew real you know, one offense. So just the whole transition of Gronk back into the league. We're at the halfway point in the last two weeks. He's been he's been great. So I think he's finally caught up uh, physically, uh, mentally, 
and and now knows what his role is on this team and he's going he's going to be great uh, uh he, he's going to be a uh, top a top 10 tight end very easily very easily he might even flirt with a top 5 that's my guess i mean he really really benefited from oj howard tearing his achilles uh since since howard's been out he's averaging like seven or eight targets a game so that that volume up to he went from 3-1 to now 6-8 the dude is just I don't want to say he's Brady's favorite target because uh, I believe it's Godwin, but Godwin's now out. He broke his finger. Yep. Gosh, whatever. It sucks. Godwin keeps getting banged up. But, I mean, out of those guys, he really likes to throw the ball and historically likes to throw the ball to Rob Gronkowski. The other was TJ Hawkinson, as I said, five catches for 59 yards and a touchdown the last play of the game. Uh, incredible win for the Lions. Uh, Matt Stafford rolling out and, and sees him just throws a hell beam right into his gut as he at the goal line falls in for the touchdown. TJ Hawkins has been solid and we drafted him in a lot of leagues. I know um, we told you guys to draft him in a lot of leagues. It was kind of forgotten about because of how banged up he was with the concussion and things like that last year. But remember his, his like his rookie profile was like next great tight end in the league. He's super young. He's not there yet, but I love him in seasonal leagues. I would love to have him in dynasty, just having your back pocket of like this guy eventually is going to be a, a, a threat to score these 15, 16 point weeks consistently. And I based that off of Matt Stafford, just looking his way in these primetime moments and, and in the red zone, it's consistently going uh, his way on the season with four touchdowns, you know, he's getting five, six, seven targets, but coming down with five or four catches to the first uh, string of games he's exactly what you want in a tight end you know he's not gonna score you 25 but he's gonna get you that 10 that you need here are his games in ppr 16.6 10.2 9.3 10.9 9.7 16.9 so his best game of the year but the consistency that's what i want from my tight end give me a couple catches maybe score a touchdown that's perfect if the lions can somehow retain Kenny Galladay um, and pay him. I think this offense is crazy good. Uh, between Galladay, Hawkinson, Swift, Matt Stafford, they feel like they're one piece. It feels like they're one piece away from from having a, a top notch offense in the league. And they got to improve their defense. Obviously, they shipped they shipped off all their best defensive players last year or uh, this last offseason. Uh, I feel like if you're a Detroit Lions fan you got to have a little optimism, right? It, I mean, things aren't necessarily going your way this year, but there are some there are some bright spots um, and some hope. And I think that as long as everybody stays, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Galladay that this team, this team could actually maybe do something in a year or two. So we'll see how that goes. You make me do something. Uh, I think people have been frustrated with Hawkinson for some reason. He's tight end six. He's been great. What else do you want? Been awesome. Yeah. 12 points behind Kittle. There's separation between Kelsey and Kittle at tight end one, tight end two. Shocker. Uh, Kelsey, 98 fantasy points. George Kittle, 74. So there was, we preach not drafting a tight end early. If you were to draft one super early, it clearly was to be Travis Kelsey. He probably provides you a little bit of an end tight end. But other than that, uh, you got Hawkinson at six, Robert Tanyan at seven, and Jimmy Graham at eight. Nobody I mean, drafted those just, guys. No. Yeah. No. So Hawkinson was the late, not late, the tight end to grab, I feel like. He yep. was latest. He, he, I, oh, I, yeah. He was yeah. 
Johnny Smith is, is tight end five um, right now. He probably went a little after yeah. Hawkinson, but to our point, that's why you don't. Mm-hmm. Those two were our targets. And, to the uh, bad tight end of the week, and it is Travis Kelsey, three for 31, and I don't really have much to say because, again, there's, I didn't watch this Bronco game, Bryce. There's there's nothing to say. It's Travis Kelsey. He's going to have a bad week, and we're not going to rip it. There was literally not really a um, a big tight end for the bad tight end of the week. I just threw it out there because his line was was dog water. It doesn't matter. Travis Kelsey's great. We know this. Let's go ahead and move on. Were you really sick this week? What was the problem? I broke my back. What do you mean by that? You my broke back, back is broken. What a vertebrae or, or well, what portion? Spinal. All right, to the injuries because that's the good and the bad from week seven, and there were a handful of big time injuries to guys. Uh, we saw it on Sunday night and mentioned him when we talked about Chase Edmonds, but Kenyon Drake is expected to be out for a few weeks with a high ankle sprain. They go into the bye, which is good for him, kind of you know saves one more game, makes some money and stuff, but. It it looked really bad. You know, he had the towel over his head. He got carted off, all that stuff. That, when it happened, I thought he's he's done, done. But just a high ankle sprain, and, and that sometimes is worse than uh, than breaking it in a lot of cases. So we'll see, and hopefully he can, he can get back to this team uh, sooner rather than later. The other running back in this game, Seattle's Chris Carson, he had like a mid-foot sprain. Uh, he's considered now a game-time decision. Uh, was considered week to week, then it was game to game, and Seattle being murky and all things that they do. Now he's a game time decision already for this week against San Francisco, so keep an eye on that. The Eagles, they placed Deshaun Jackson on injured reserve, had a bum ankle on Thursday night. Uh, Bengals coach Zach Taylor said that Joe Mixon is considered day to day, and the biggest one of the week, the ACL terror for Odell Beckham Jr., has him out for the season. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones was the hero in that game making the final catch for the touchdown and the Browns victory Baker, five touchdowns kind of crazy. We didn't talk to about him at all. We've been snubbing him quite a bit and he has arguably his best game of his NFL career uh, against the Bengals last week, but let's get into week eight rapid fire. Atlanta at Carolina will Thursday night end in a dramatic fashion. As long as Atlanta is playing, there's a solid chance we see Carolina pull out a miracle comeback win. That being said, you're playing everyone on the Falcons offense, especially Todd Gurley who finds the end zone often, even when he's not trying to score. The Panthers, do you play CMC if he starts? It's somewhat risky, but well worth the gamble. I would also fire up Teddy B, DJ Moore, and of course, Robbie Anderson. The game of the week, maybe the game of the year, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. We know how good the Pittsburgh defense is, but Lamar Jackson is still a must-start based on talent. I'm okay with playing Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown because Baltimore will have to attack the number one run defense through the air. For the Steelers, Baltimore is actually the eighth easiest matchup for quarterbacks, so Ben Roethlisberger and his 36 attempts per game are startable and a sneaky tournament play in DFS. Other Steelers to play are James Conner off of volume, Juju and Chase Claypool with Deontay Johnson missing another practice. Rams at Dolphins. The first start in the highly anticipated career for Tua Tungavailoa comes with the pleasure of meeting Aaron Donald in the LA Rams. Uh, I honestly don't know what's going to go down on the, on the beach in Miami. For the Rams, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are both weekly starts, but come with the obvious risks that we talked about earlier on the show. If there's ever a week for Daryl Henderson to pop, it's this one versus the worst-ranked DVOA Dolphins defense against the run. I like Tua in deeper leagues with Devontae Parker as a flex, and Gasecki as a start if you have nobody else to stream against the tough Rams team. The New York Jets are at Kansas City, and I don't even know what to fucking say here. 
most likely the game script will not favor Mahomes, Tyree, Kelsey once they start blowing out the Jets. But I can't really tell you not to play them. In addition, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and LaBelle should get the majority of attention in a game that has already been decided, so fire them up. For the Jets, you should already know this, but there's no one to fucking play. The top of the NFC North versus the bottom of the NFC North, one in five. Minnesota! At five and one Green Bay and what should be a fantasy frenzy for the Packers, Rodgers, Adams, Jamal Williams, if Aaron Jones continues to be out, and Alan Lazard has returned to practice, and Robert Tanyan are all set up to smash. For the Vikings, I'm just playing the studs, Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. There are always better options than Kirk Cousins, especially against the fourth toughest matchup for quarterbacks in Jair, the Clamp, Alexander, and the Green Bay defense. Indy at Detroit. The Colts are coming off a bye. The Lions fresh off a fourth quarter comeback win. We like to call a Falcon special. For the Colts, I'll start Jonathan Taylor versus the 23rd best team against the run. That's it. The Lions, I'm only starting Matt Stafford in two quarterback leagues. Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift become a weekly play as well. I'm searching elsewhere for a replacement tight end for TJ Hawkinson versus the Colts' top-ranked secondary. Las Vegas at Cleveland. God damn, Baker gave Cincinnati the old haymaker last week, didn't he? Well, not quite, but a W is a W. I think Baker just needed a little constructive criticism from the Tutty Talk podcast to get his ass in gear. To me, this is a clear smash spot for both Kareem Hunt and Josh Jacobs, as well as both teams' quarterbacks. Darren Waller continues to shine, and if I had to take a shot with any wide receiver on Cleveland or Las Vegas, I'm going with Nelson Aguilar, who's caught a touchdown each of the last three weeks. The Titans leave Covidville and head to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals in a game that might offer the most fantasy value with the second highest game total for week eight. Tennessee is the ninth easiest matchup versus quarterbacks, seventh easiest versus running backs, fourth easiest versus wide receivers and tight ends. That being said, the Cincinnati office is poised to smash, so play them all. Burrow, Mixon, or Gio Bernard depends on who plays. Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green is back, and T. Higgins has been fallen. It will be easy for the Tennessee offense, too. The Cincinnati D is fifth easiest first quarterbacks, third easiest first tight ends and wide receivers. The Bengals have been stout versus running backs, but nothing can stop Derrick Henry. Also, fire up Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Jonu Smith. New England at Buffalo. What has previously been the game of the year in the AFC East may not be a contest at all. The Pats are dogs to the Bills for the first time in five years with minus three and a half, and I don't think that line will be close. For the Patriots, I'm starting... James White in like those deep dynasty leagues. For the Bills, give me Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and will likely be a low scoring game in Buffalo. Get the folding tables ready. The Bills are taking a three game lead in the AFC East. The Los Angeles Chargers are at my Denver Broncos. Being in the AFC West isn't getting any easier for my Broncos with the emergence of Herbie fully loaded. You could say it's a bittersweet type of situation for me. So you're playing Herbert and Keenan Allen, but should you play Joshua Kelly? I'm not. Denver's defense is 11th against the run, and to be honest, Kelly just hasn't been that great. For the Broncos, you could roll the dice on Melvin Gordon and Noah Fant, but don't be surprised if they disappoint. An NFC West battle, and actually the game with the highest game total, thanks to Seattle, is San Francisco at Seattle. Jimmy Garoppolo is streamable and startable versus the Seattle defense with George Kittle. And I really like Brandon Ayuk in the spot with Debo Samuel out with a hammy. At running back, expect the timeshare between Jarek McKinnon and UDFA Jamichael Hasty. For the Seahawks, it's pretty simple. Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf. 
San Francisco is the third toughest matchup for running backs. And with how banged up the Seattle backfield is, I am staying away. New Orleans at Chicago coming off a Monday night beat down by the Rams. The Bears are back in Chicago for Breeze and the Saints. Michael Thomas still likely out with a hamstring injury now. Emmanuel Sanders on the COVID list. And keep an eye on surprising rookie Marquez Calloway. If he's a go, he's flex-worthy due to volume. Of course, start Kamara, but no great place. The Bears, I like Allen Robinson every week. Montgomery in desperation. And although I'm not playing him, Darnell Mooney is worth a stash if your league has enough spots. Dallas at Philadelphia. This is by far my least favorite matchup on the slate for week eight. So I'm going to be short and sweet with this one. Start Zeke, Amari, maybe consider CeeDee Lamb. I don't love it. For the Eagles, Jalen Rager is back. But if you play him, you're clearly desperate. This really boils down to two guys. Travis Fulgham and Boston Scott are legitimately the only guys I'd comfortably start in an Eagles uniform. Monday night, the GOAT. Versus the Woat, Tampa Tom at Danny Crimes, Bucks at Giants. Wayne Gallman has been a popular waiver ad this week. Hello? Have you seen what this Tampa Bay D-line is doing to running backs? The number one hardest matchup. Say no thanks to Wayne and no thanks to any other Giant. For the Buccaneers, it is actually pretty difficult. The New York D isn't too terrible. Middle of the road versus quarterbacks and running backs and actually top 10, toughest versus wide receivers and tight ends. Factor in the Fournette and Rojo split and the addition of Antonio Frown, and it's messy. Play Tom, play one of Rojo Fournette, and even though it's gross, I'll play Evans and AB with Godwin out. Antonio Frown is back for week eight, and that is rapid fire. Wow. We got some, uh, some this, interesting games here. This, I kind of like doing this after we go through it. I scroll back through. This week You're is never going to know because Bryce is going to edit all this, but that was a bitch to read oh, through today God. for whatever reason. My God. Legitimately, comfortably, <laughs> Eagles uniform. That's all you need to know. <laughs> we just stuttered our way for 40 minutes trying to write that or read that. Um, obviously, the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game is going to be awesome. Um, can't wait to see Tua. Uh, Minnesota Green Bay was super high scoring, I think, at week one. So hopefully they can run that back and do that again. I'm still waiting for like a true Jonathan Taylor breakout. So yeah. so maybe we see that against Detroit. Um, Vegas and Cleveland is like oddly, oddly super interesting now. Um, Vegas trying to bounce back. Cleveland I, fresh off of their miracle. I, I'm excited for that game. I think that that yeah. could go either way. Um, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of points on the board. I, honestly, it's going to be cool. It's going to be good. I'm excited we, for that one. We give the crown maybe to Buffalo uh, in the East already yeah. in Week Eight. That that could very well happen already um, this season. Seattle, San Francisco, always crazy. Um, watch it get flexed to Sunday night. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know Chase was triggered by that last week. Uh, New Orleans, <laughs> Chicago. Anytime Chicago's playing, I just kind of want to throw up. It's just not that entertaining to watch. Um, our Sunday night game could be that very same thing. Uh, Dallas and Philly. No idea who's starting at quarterback this week. It could be Danucci. Where's the gabagoo? Oh, my God. You know, now that I look back over this, I, I said I was excited. I, I'm still excited. I think I'm just excited for fantasy because realistically, some of these. I mean, there's a few good matchups. There, like I there saying, are. But... There are. You know, I think Seattle, San Francisco is always fun to watch, right, regardless of how bad San Francisco has been. 
Uh, New Orleans, Chicago should be a good game, right? I think I think that one's gonna be better than expected. But it's Chicago. It's this gross. You I know, know but saying? they're still a winning team, man. I, I get yeah, it. Yeah, and then I watch them on Monday night, and I just want it to go away. I, I want it to go. I bye-bye. understand. I understand. Tennessee and Cincinnati. Uh, you know, Cincinnati's gonna get blown out, but there's gonna be a lot of passing. Uh, on that side of the... that's my that's my favorite fantasy yeah. matchup when I do DFS when yeah. we do DFS this week that's gonna be that's the one one of the go-tos you got Burrow dropping back so many times Tyler Boyd looks amazing you could throw in AJ Green who's now popped kind of the last two weeks mm-hmm. T Higgins has been awesome you can run it back with Derrick Henry who will just pound the shit out of the Bengals if you don't want to play Derrick Henry you think it's gonna be a super shootout you play AJ Brown you played John U. Smith. Like, that game's going to be awesome. Atlanta, Carolina, another great game for fans. I, w- I wish that was on Sunday. Yeah. I'm yeah. kind of bummed that that's, I mean, it's cool that's a primetime Thursday night game. Like, I think fantasy wise, it'll be fun to fun to throw money at if you're doing that or, or the, the single game DFS. But How do I just kind of wish that that was like a, a Monday morning or a Sunday morning game, you know? How do I root for Justin Herbert and the Broncos at the same time? You don't. You don't. You don't root for the Broncos because y'all are bad, and you just cheer for Herbert's. I have to root for the Broncos, but I have to, I have to root for my, my ducky. You know, and just like you guys are so lame. Oh my god, he's so fucking. Baltimore, Pittsburgh too. Don't don't forget about that. That is the best one. Yep. Indy, Detroit can be interesting. Yeah, Baltimore four point four point favorites. Oof. Coming off a bye, that helps. Yeah. Okay. That's the show. Week eight coming up. Week seven of the books. We're like halfway there, guys. Um, if your team sucks and it's really bad, try to fix it. Hit us up on social media. Like literally, just, we've had people do it where they just out of nowhere, not even a question thing on social media or anything like that. It just pops up. What should I do here? We'll, we'll try and help you out. I'll be okay. I actually have a question. <clears throat> oh, oh my. Hello. Uh, I have a question. Is there any coming back from one and six? Can you come back from that one and six record? Is that possible? No, I, I've no. seen it. I've actually seen it done before. You'd have are to you win out. East? Are you talking in fantasy football or are you talking in? I'm talking fantasy. You have to win out, right? Oh, in... oh I thought you were talking NFL. No, no, yeah. no, no. Fantasy. One and I've six. Seen it. If you're in the NFC East, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in in those really deep leagues, though, right? It's like a twelve team league, and you're one and six. Yeah. Yeah, if you're absolutely. if it's yeah, definitely. You can you can still pull it off. I'm gonna have like, to trade Julio. in the ten team leagues and only four teams make it. That's, uh, that's I just really got tough. no running backs. You know, I have like I have Melvin Gordon. Oh, is your team? I don't think so. It's dude. my team. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> Wait, and it's not, one in six I'm I'm running my boss's team and I haven't told him how bad it is right now. Oh so, yeah. yeah, he doesn't know. Uh fifty dollars are on the line, so I, I'm kinda just Trying to figure it's out. It's coming out of your paycheck, Sonny. <laughs> I know, dude. I, I'm trying to trade Julio. I traded here. Here's the big mistake. This is what I. This is a panic sell. Uh, I traded Devonte for. Uh, so it was Ceedee Lamb before Dak got hurt. Juju, because I was thinking he would have a bounce back, and uh, Joshua Kelly when Eckler oh. got hurt. I know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, well, we should end the show now. <laughs> that's it. That's the show. Uh, we'll talk studies with you next week. <laughs>